You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you tuned in today. And um, we've got another great show on desert, remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we've got Lieutenant Colonel Retired Phil Farsberg on the line with us. So as we've started doing all the time, and and as I mentioned to you, Phil, we've we've gotten a lot of compliments on this, and people appreciate what we're doing, and that we recognize that that everybody doesn't necessarily come back from being in country and theater, or whatever, and some come back that have injuries that get them later in life as. As what happened with my friend J. Roy Ritchie, uh, succumbed to uh, Agent Orange. And so we take out every every time we do a military show, we take out the first minute of just have silence and uh, think about those that have served, pray for those that are serving, and our future military. And so we're going to take our minute, and we'll be back with Phil right after this. Amen, and thank you. And we do appreciate all of our military, for all of those that have served and and are serving on active duty right now, and um, we pray that they don't have to be deployed somewhere. But we do have the best military in the world and the best folks that are in our military, both now and our veterans that have served and come back. So good morning, Phil. Glad to have you with us again. Hey, it's good to be here, David. Well, we should. Uh, we're going to talk about some different aspects of when you were sent to Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, some of the things that um, you know. I think people have anybody that hadn't served. I think they think that uh, okay, you're you're in country in a battle zone or in a in a combat zone, so. You must be shooting all the time, or you must be this, or you must be that. But as anybody that served any time, any place, there is the old saying, hurry up and wait. And there's a lot of waiting can go on in the Army. or And I, I, I can't address uh, the Navy or any other branch, the Air Force, but I can certainly address the Army. And there, like I said, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And... Uh, they used to call it twiddling your thumbs. I don't know what they call it today. I guess with all the electronics, it's uh, playing thumb games on your electronics, maybe. I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about what guys do when uh, 
They, they've uh, got spare time on their hands. And did that ever happen to you in uh, on Desert Shield and Desert Storm, Phil? Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, uh, you, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, you go to a combat zone, but you're not, you're not pulling triggers all day. You, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff to do. You have to, basically, when you get there, you have to build your own uh, civilization, your shelters, and uh, get your uh, lines of transportation, lines of communication set up so you can get your uh, supplies and uh, get plugged into the logistical situation. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, you got to wait for the post office to find you so you can get your mail. And then... Uh, you, uh, well, I mean, you have to have regular guard duty and, uh, and other things, uh, attending to the maintenance of the camp. Uh, and then, uh, we would, um, <clears throat> we would go to, uh, we, we brought our own cooks with us, but, uh, the King of Saudi Arabia had decided he was going to let us eat in his, uh, mess hall that he had set up for uh, the workers that were putting together his airport where we were located. So uh, our cooks usually just made us breakfast, which is very nice because we couldn't get bacon or sausage or ham in the uh, in the mess hall there in Saudi Arabia. But uh, so we would normally eat our breakfast with the uh, with our own cooks in our own uh, mess tent and then uh, our uh, Lunch meal was usually an MRE, uh, and then the uh, the evening meal we'd have over at the uh, at the King's mess hall. <clears throat> and what would and, those uh, uh, what would those cooks prepare for you? Well, uh, well, the food there. I remember there was a great deal of curry. Uh, always something curried. There was always some kind of soup. There was always French fries, rice. And soft serve ice cream in King's Mess Hall. Hmm. The only thing that sounded really good was the uh, soft serve ice cream. I'm having a hard time hearing you, David. The only thing that sounded good to me was the soft serve ice cream. You know, the French fries weren't bad. Rice was a little tiring. The thing about the French fries, though, is... uh, They had some uh, British or European version of ketchup there. Just, just wasn't getting it. it was It was not American ketchup, and uh, this kind of took the joy out of the French fries. You know, I, I must admit, I'm having a hard time uh, seeing a king of any place eating a French fry. Oh, the king didn't eat with us. It's <laughs> just, uh, you know. <clears throat> In those countries over there in the Middle East that have all the oil wealth, they bring in all their uh, laborers from other countries, and uh, so this is this is where the uh, the laborers who were building the airport uh, who would actually eat in this mess hall. The king, king, well, the, the practice there was to sort of underpay them, but pay them in food. Hmm. Um, so. Uh, they just let us go in there and, and eat whatever we wanted. The king also gave us all the fuel we needed for all of our operations. Um, somehow he had that uh, well in hand. 
Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> the MREs, it started coming out with some new things. Uh, and uh, I don't know what they have now. But I can recall um, we did have uh, these foil envelopes of uh, ham slices. We had uh, tuna in a foil pouch. It was sort of like what you can get these days at the grocery store. Um, and they had a uh, thing that always kind of got me. It was called chicken or turkey boned. <laughs> and uh, my question was, you know, how come they didn't know if it was chicken or turkey? It's just one or the other. But <clears throat> some sort of bird <laughs> uh, without the bones. And then uh, I, the only beef I can recall was... Uh, like a spaghetti and meat sauce. Uh, there was a dehydrated pork patty, which was good if you needed to scour a pot or something. <laughs> and uh, they started giving us these uh, in our condiments, you know, salt and pepper and um, creamer and sugar. And uh, they would include a little... Um, little thing of uh, uh, Tabasco sauce in a little tiny little souvenir Tabasco sauce bottle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought that was pretty cool. <clears throat> a lot of the guys uh, for a little souvenir of Saudi Arabia would uh, fill it up, fill up the little Tabasco sauce bottle with sand and bring it home. <laughs> Don't tell customs and uh, immigration because we weren't allowed to bring any soil with us. <laughs> when we come back. No contraband soil, huh? Well, you I'm know, not hearing you, David. Uh, no contraband soil, huh? Yeah, we uh, they were pretty serious about that, and uh, we heard some horror stories about people trying to bring back all sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I I can't say what was true or not. Um, body parts and stuff hmm. uh, but um, <coughs> excuse me uh, I was more interested in leaving anything behind that would uh, keep me from leaving on time <laughs> just show me to the door huh exactly and then uh, uh, mail was always a, a big morale boost and then we would, uh, from time to time, we would play uh, some parlor games. My uh, my wife sent me a, a box uh, in it, uh, a little care package box, and it contained a uh, a, uh, a parlor game called Balderdash. And uh, I don't know, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting little game. It's not that complicated, and. Uh, the, the officers that uh, I flew with, we would uh, get together in the evenings and, and play this balderdash game. And, uh, and then, of course, <clears throat> once the uh, once the hostilities began, then uh, the uh, air raid sirens would go off whenever uh, there were Scud missiles inbound. So we were compelled to... Uh, 
uh, grab our protective masks, put them on, and make our way to our uh, uh, bomb shelters that we had designated. Mine was just a, a concrete uh, pipe in the ground. But um, the uh, <clears throat> but <clears throat> when we started, we started experiencing those uh, air raids uh, in the middle of our balderdash games. We they said that that was uh, actually combat balderdash, <laughs> and uh, we would take our little pieces and stick them in our pockets and run off. And when we got the all clear, we'd come back and finish the game. You know, you bring up something interesting, uh, combat balderdash. You know, there, there's a. It seems like every situation gets named, and uh, no matter what it is, or every. Almost every product gets renamed, or I don't know who the person is that does all that, but they stay busy uh, coming up with different names. And uh, I always found it interesting that, um, you know, just like you all calling it combat, well, that's, and you probably shortened it to let's go play some combat. <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we tried to keep our sense of humor and enjoy ourselves. You have to. As um, much as we could. Sure. I tell you what, we're going to uh, take our first break right now, Phil, and we'll come back with Lieutenant Colonel Phil Farsberg right after this, and we'll be talking more about uh, how do you keep yourself entertained in theater or in country. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And would like to remind everybody that um, we have some of the greatest touring spots in the United States. One is the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. The director is Rick White, uh, Colonel Rick White, retired. And Rick does just an incredible job. And uh, go in, take your family. It's in the uh, Floyd Building right across the street from the Georgia State Capitol, which has the Golden Dome that everybody knows. And it's it's worth it's worth one or maybe even two days out of your life. And the history that's there, if you've got kids or grandkids, 
be sure and take them. They probably need to be a little older, maybe uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. But they will experience something that will be unbelievable and that you all will talk about as a family for years and years to come. That's the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. We also have Peachtree Corners that has a memorial to veterans. And uh, then we have the Wall that Heals in Johns Creek, Georgia, in uh, Newtown Park. And again, it's worth going to. It's the replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. And it it is a... Just the, it's beautifully landscaped, and it went all around the country, and now it's got a permanent home in Johns Creek, Georgia. So we've got places to go that honor our veterans, and everyone should take time to go to them. And uh, as we've announced, and we're very proud of this, we're, I've got to get some more information on it, but they'll be building a uh, memorial to our veterans that served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm in Washington, D.C. So we'll get more information on that as they're coming along with it. They, uh, I believe in April they had the groundbreaking ceremony. And so we'll keep you posted on that during remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Makes sense to me. How about you, Phil? Sounds great to me, David. Okay. All right. Let's get back to uh, how you all spent some of your time when it was downtime. Well, <clears throat> we uh, we had actually uh, somebody had donated some uh, musical instruments to us, and some of the folks, some of our soldiers uh, put together a little band, and they would practice and entertain us from time to time. Uh, <clears throat> we were uh, uh, in a, uh, a military intelligence battalion that, that flew uh, reconnaissance uh, and surveillance aircraft, and so we, um, you know, weren't part of a division. We were we were actually part of the troops that belonged uh, to the corps and uh, the corps headquarters, and so <clears throat> we. Um, we were serenaded at one point by the uh, 101st Airborne Division uh, band that came by and uh, did a concert for us. That was really, really well received. Oh, I bet. Um, and got real morale boost. Um, those folks were very talented. And then um, <clears throat> uh, we put together a football game at one point among the officers, uh, and it was... Um, you know, things to sort of break the monotony. Um, and uh, we, we had some, uh, <clears throat> some of our mechanics, I recall, were quite talented uh, cartoonists, and they, they put together some uh, cartoons we found <clears throat> pretty amusing. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, those are the things that come to mind right off the bat. And then, then when the uh, new Stars and Stripes came out, you had something to read. I'm sorry, David, I did not hear you. <laughs> when uh, the new Stars and Stripes would come out, you'd have something to read. Yeah, we, we did get Stars and Stripes. It was interesting reading. 
and um, yeah, you, you'd get to well, find out what you were doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as I've told you before, we had CNN uh, piped in to uh, our operations center, which uh, you know you can only take so much of that. Most of the reporting was about the war, and we kind of had enough of that. We were more interested in something more entertaining. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, I do recall Stars and Stripes, I believe it was, published a uh, an insert, which I still have, uh, that was uh, uh, like a full-page color ad that was taken out by the, uh, the people of uh, Kuwait. Uh, thanking us for um, basically liberating their country, and uh, was uh, thought that was a pretty nice gesture. Uh, so <clears throat> I still have that. Um, we I, I can't recall. <clears throat> I think we had a truck that came by every once in a while from uh, Army and Air Force Exchange Services where we could buy some stuff, um, and uh, unfortunately. A lot of what we were interested in buying was uh, was tobacco. Uh, uh, soldiers were using an awful lot of uh, cigarettes and smokeless tobacco, and uh, and uh, sorry to say, I was among them at the time. Uh, tobacco free at this time. Know that feeling well as as well <laughs> as a matter of fact. Well, you know, <clears throat> I came back from there and. Um, I thought, well, Saddam Hussein tried everything he could to kill me, and he didn't. So, why am I doing it? Why would I kill myself? <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Um, we all have our different uh, means and ways of stopping and incidents that happened that uh, made us quit. So, and I'm I am happy that I quit many years ago. Yeah, it turns out I read somewhere it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I think they put it on the side of a package, too, didn't they? Yeah. But then I always wondered, what did the what did the uh, general know about smoking? The surgeon general, that is. But, you know, we all find out, and, you know, the, I hate to admit this, particularly to a uh, colonel, but... Uh, you know, that wasn't the first mistake I've ever made. And probably won't be the last. But I am glad I quit smoking. And hope that others yeah. that are listening will is will also quit smoking if they're still smoking. So well. there was a lot of time to sit around and smoke and well let me ask, did you ever hear Particularly when you all would get a get a football game going or something like that, did you ever hear what the Kuwaitis thought of what you all were doing or or the, the activities you might take on to ease the boredom or ease the situation? <clears throat> well, uh, we didn't. The only Kuwaitis that we had any interaction with um, were these young men who had. Uh, been studying in the United States when uh, Saddam invaded their countries, and of course they were all from fairly wealthy families, wealthy enough to send them for their education in the U.S. And uh, 
these young men, uh, <clears throat> you know, they wanted to do something. And uh, so, of course, all of our linguists were uh, Russian and uh, German and Polish because uh, we were kind of set up for uh, an East Germany kind of uh, thing. Warsaw Pact, if you will. And uh, so we needed... Uh, Arabic linguists, and we needed them pretty quick. And uh, so these guys, you know, their English was good enough to study in the U.S., and uh, their Arabic was native. So um, the U.S. Army did a quick background check on them, gave them uh, interim top-secret clearances, um, gave them all the rank of uh, Sergeant E-5, gave them a two-week class on uh, how to shoot a rifle and uh, who you're supposed to salute and uh, sent them to us to be linguists. Hmm. And uh, these young men, uh, they, were, they were really nice guys, and uh, I really enjoyed working with them. Uh, the aircraft I flew didn't, didn't intercept communications. It found targets on the ground, but the, uh, our sister company had the communications intelligence, and they had the, the uh, Kuwaiti linguists with them. And uh, these guys were sharp, and you know they would listen to uh, a conversation that was going on on Iraqi uh, enemy radio net. You know they they could tell us, you know I know exactly where this guy is. He's at Seven Eleven. It's two blocks from my house. Uh, so <laughs> they uh, they were very very good. They knew exactly what was going on, and uh, and I recall the day that. Uh, after Kuwait was liberated, they were getting sent uh, up into Kuwait, and so uh, we had sort of a tearful goodbye with them, and they uh, were hugging us, and uh, they took a, we had those silly chocolate chip looking uniforms with the goofy floppy hat, and uh, <laughs> they took uh, they took pens, and they, uh, they signed our hats, and uh, I still have mine, I couldn't tell you what it says on it because it's in Arabic, but uh, I think it says thank you. Oh, that's neat. Uh, you know, this is um, this is a side. What you're talking about today is a side of any deployment, really. That there's there's always something, isn't there? No matter where you go, what you, even uh, if you're peacetime and you're deployed to Germany or you you're sent here you're sent there but there's always something that'll stand out and the people that you get to meet will stand out and um i guess i guess if if the united states has a fault and I, it's like i am it has more than one fault but one one thing that always stands out is we're probably we expect everybody to speak english and we have very few people that are fluent in many other languages, and uh, particularly in the military. And it's, uh, I guess it's Presidio that uh, does a lot of the uh, linguistics. But, you know, we expect everybody else, whether you're in France or Germany or England, well, England, uh, wherever you might be, we expect them to speak our language, and very few people speak theirs. Would that be a fair statement, you think? 
Well, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we do train folks uh, as linguists, and they're, they're very, very valuable to us. Um, but, uh, you know, as I've traveled around the world, it's interesting to me that, you know, folks in the United States get a little worked up about, you know, oh, you know, the, the Spanish is going to become our new language or whatever. You know, my experience traveling around the world was, you know, maybe in South Florida, they're not learning English, but everybody else in the world that I've met is learning English as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm talking about China, Vietnam, Middle East, and Europe, you know, they, uh, they just, <clears throat> everybody knows. I asked somebody in uh, Sweden one time why everybody spoke English, and uh, his response to me was, well, we don't expect the whole world to learn Swedish. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, I think that's what has panned out over the years. And uh, I was amazed, you know, a Frenchman comes to the U.S. to buy something or goes in a store and he best speak English because the the clerk's not going to know what he or she is saying. And yet you go to France and it's almost like being in the, you can go in a store and the person behind the counter what can I do for you? Can I help you? Or whatever, you know? And uh, you, you've you seen that. I've seen it. And uh, I guess we're fortunate that uh, it works like that. But Arabic would be a tough, in my opinion, would be a very tough language to learn. And uh, it's good that you had the young people from that had studied in the United States to uh, be your interpreters. Yeah, um, you know, the, the difficulty in Arabic to me is is the written language. Um, it's just unintelligible to me, but the, uh, uh, the, the speaking of it wasn't too bad. I, I was able to master a lot of the, uh, a lot of the sounds that they thought, uh, <clears throat> you know, a regular old white boy wouldn't be able to do, but. Uh, I did a pretty good job with it, but the um, uh, languages like uh, the, the tonal languages, like the Chinese and Chinese dialects, I thought were really bad until uh, until I experienced Vietnam, and the Vietnamese language just completely floored me uh, in its uh, complexity, and uh, I. My heart went out to them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, everybody I met in Vietnam was trying to learn English as fast as they could. Oh, I bet. With that note, we're going to take our second break. We'll be back with Colonel Forsberg right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? 
If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back on Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with uh, our our head memory maker. How about that for our title, Phil? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Anyway, we're we're talking about um, when you have a little spare time or you're you're not uh, flying a mission or you're not uh, uh, you're sitting around there there a few uh, games of poker played in in the military, aren't there? Yeah, we we played poker. Um, you know, uh, didn't really have much to gamble with, so it wasn't really that exciting. Um, but we, uh, you know, uh, I walked into one of my enlisted men. They had uh, four men to a tent. I walked into their tent one day, and I saw they had the biggest scorpion I'd ever seen in a box as a pet. Huh. And uh, I just had to ask him, you know, guys, you got to get rid of that thing because, you know, if somebody gets stung and they said, well, you know, Captain Forsberg knew that we had this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sunk. That's just not good. There's no reason to keep a scorpion around for a pet. Hmm. That, uh, and I believe they can climb out of boxes even, unless the lid's on. Yeah, I can't recall how they were containing it, but uh, I just, for the life of me, couldn't think of anything good that might have come of that. <laughs> well, you might you might say there are some uh, warped folks, but like you said, anything to. Uh, entertain and i'm sure they played some pretty good games on folks with that scorpion but you know it's uh i I guess again if this is a fair statement nobody knows exactly what they're going to do in any given situation in in a war zone in a hot zone and you know you you mentioned it just a moment ago that you have to keep your sense of humor some way or the other, and that's pretty difficult to do. Look, look at our sense of humor through the the pandemic; it sort of went south, and yet, you know, you you're in a situation that uh, you don't know when you're going. Somebody's going to yell "incoming," and uh, you have to hit it, 
and you don't know where that incoming is going to land, and you have to take your precaution. And it's, I guess, I have a close feeling for Israel, and particularly what they've been going through the last couple of weeks, three weeks, that I don't see how they keep their head on their shoulders with the tension that they have to be under of not knowing when the sirens are going to go off and they have to take cover. They have 10, 15 seconds to uh, get to their shelter of sorts. And I believe they use some of the same uh, technology that you all use, Phil. They have big uh, pipes that are underground that they go getting into as quickly as possible and take their kids and everything else. And so it's the... uh, the stress that a person's under in combat is incredible, and you have to you have to do something. And uh, it, it's it's amazing. You were talking about uh, some of the uh, mechanics being artists, and then you never know when the guy's going to pick up a guitar and and be a singer and play guitar, and the talents that folks have that you'd never guess. They, they come out, particularly in, in a stressful area. And, and I'm sure you found that true both in uh, Desert Storm and uh, in Vietnam. Yeah. <clears throat> there are so many different uh, skills that you can learn in the service that uh, uh, I just, <clears throat> we had some, some really great guys that, could fix anything or uh, just make things work. Uh, you know, just the, the the way that they would uh, overcome and, and adapt to uh, the situation was really inspiring. I was the and and uh, the guy that they had asked, "Can you get me one of these?" And some way or the other, generally speaking, I'd come up with something. But, uh, yeah, it, it's – and, you know, there's another thing that uh, I think is interesting, particularly, again, in a war zone, and, and it's changed so much with the electronics. But I don't know of a situation where if somebody got a goodie box from home that they wouldn't – they'd share it with their, with their friends, with the rest of the platoon or, or squad or whatever the case might be. And uh, – it was uh, you just I, some way or the other. It seems like for the most part, I can't say it across the board, but for the most part, and I'm sure Desert Shield and Desert Storm were the same way. The best comes out in all of us, and the best comes out in people that you probably wouldn't expect it. But yet, like I said, you get a, a box from home, and the first thing they'll do is share it. Or if several guys get boxes from home, they'll put it out on a table and help yourself. Well, <clears throat> I do recall we had, uh, in the orderly room that we had uh, for our company, there was a table that was designated. You could... Uh, take any of the care packages you got from home and if you weren't going to finish what you got in just uh, 
make it available to the to the troops and uh you could walk through there any time of the day or night and grab cookies or brownies or cake or homemade breads or all sorts of things candies nuts uh that folks had sent uh, <clears throat> somebody uh somebody in back in the states advised them not to send chocolate because it would melt but uh you know we we uh never found that guy but we would give him a piece of our mind because we liked our chocolate too and we'd <laughs> find a way to keep it from melting past November it wasn't really in any danger of melting until it got to about April so um, we, we were just fine they would send uh, <laughs> they'd send us some chocolate but yeah we, we shared that stuff uh, among ourselves and I don't remember ever missing a meal while I was there and uh, never had time to do any kind of uh, physical fitness, go for a run or, you know, any time to do anything like that. And, uh, you know, no gyms really. Uh, and uh, eating everything I could and uh, not working out. And I still lost 25 pounds while I was there wow. in six months. And I didn't really have it to spare like I do now. <laughs> well, the anatomy does change, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, I would and imagine... Then, you know, an interesting thing I, I found a little puzzling to me was, uh, you know, they hadn't, we hadn't done any organized physical fitness uh, training during the whole six months we were there. And then right before we went, got redeployed back to the States... They uh, they gave us a physical fitness test, <laughs> huh. which I thought was pretty low. Uh, I didn't have any trouble passing it, but you know, uh, well, let's just say I, I'd smoked a lot more cigarettes than I had uh, run miles or done push-ups. <laughs> so um, I thought that was, I mean, what were they what were they measuring our uh, our readiness for war? Because we we just won one. You know, I would imagine your your and I'm not a doctor by any means, but your uh, loss of weight, I would imagine, was could be easily contributed to stress. No matter how much you're eating, you can uh, burn a lot of your stress, and at night, whether you realize it or not, you know, if you're in a stressful situation, you can eat those calories up, and uh, but. We're just glad you made it through and uh, that, uh, you know, what, five-day war? Or thereabouts? I'm not hearing you, David. Okay. Five-day five war, basically? Uh, it was 100 hours. So uh, four days would have been, what, 96? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just over well but you know in fairness that that was the uh that was the ground war um we uh we we spent a lot of time uh hitting them from the air prior to that and uh all they could do was throw back those uh ridiculous scud missiles at us that uh you know uh i think they would aim them in a general direction and 
hoped they would hit somewhere on planet Earth. Uh, <laughs> the finest uh, 1960s technology of Soviet technology uh, was uh, crude at best. I think we we had found that out uh, in one of the uh, Israeli attacks um, where you know you'd fire they'd fire a scud and where it goes nobody knows and uh for saddam hussein to think he was going to go up against us with scuds was again part of his crazy thinking and uh you know it had to be terribly uh a terrible blow to the morale of the uh, iraqis that uh you know they just really they didn't have anything that could stand up to the U.S. And uh, Kuwait should still be paying us, in my opinion. Um, you know, we, we, you, and your folks bailed them out, and they would have, they would, they would be part of uh, Iraq right now if it wasn't for the United States. So. Every there's always a rhyme and a reason, isn't there? Yeah, you know, and I never professed to uh, to possess that reason or uh, uh, or even get close. And uh, you know, honestly, you know, we went there. We didn't know if we were going to be fighting a war or not. Um, it sure seemed like it, but nobody would say so. Um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, when well, well, we found out that, you know, if we could uh, win, you know, drive Saddam out of uh, out of Kuwait, that we could go home, uh, we were all about that. We, uh, <laughs> we just wanted them to let us go because we just wanted to go home. Well, I think uh, no matter where you are, that's that's the wish of everybody. With that, we're going to take our last break, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised to right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And I want to remind everybody, if um, you get your pen and paper handy and for any of our shows, you'll always learn something. And if you have a question about Desert Shield or Desert Storm or you want to make a comment about today's show or any of our shows, just send it to gm at americaswebradio.com. And if you've got a question for uh, Colonel Forsberg or for me or for any of our hosts, uh, don't hesitate to send them in. We get a lot of comments. Uh, 
we have quite a quite a fan club in uh, Australia, as a matter of fact, that listen to our classic car show, and we'll get comments from them sometimes during the show and sometimes uh, after the shows. But uh, if you if you're sitting there and you uh, if you maybe you participated in Desert Shield or Desert Storm, and you'd like to make a comment about it, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I don't know, Phil, if we had a if we have a vet out there that was in um, was in Desert Shield or Desert Storm, we'd probably even interview him at some point, wouldn't we? Yeah, I'd love to talk to him about it. Okay, because um, uh, you know, just uh, catch up and see if they were in the same places where I was, and if they. If their perceptions were similar to mine, because uh, you know, by no means am I trying to say that you know my experience there was uh, typical of everyone. Uh, you know, the type of unit I was in is probably atypical right off the bat. So, uh, but I, I did uh, appreciate everybody that was there with me and helping out because. Uh, you know, we uh, we showed we could get the job done and get out of there quick, and that's that was our goal. And you certainly uh, met your goal, and yeah. it was, um, you know, David. Yes, uh, I think it's uh, important though to to stress that uh, though we had times to entertain ourselves and though we had uh you know some some good times and uh, uh some athletic stuff and but uh you know it's serious business when you go out to uh you know take the lives of other people uh, in the in the um, interest of our national objectives and uh you know a lot of people get hurt doing it and uh you know, uh, uh, as you know, one of my passions is helping veterans get their uh, the benefits that they've earned by their service. Uh, and it, I would love to uh, encourage any veterans out there that, that are hearing this to, uh, uh, you know, don't uh, don't hide your injuries. Uh, and this is not just Desert Storm. This is. Uh, I don't care. You you know, you might be a World War II veteran listening to this. Uh, but, you know, the VA uh, administers the benefits that you earned by your service. And uh, it pains me to see uh, veterans not getting uh, what they've earned and, uh, and going sick or uh, homeless or... Uh, you know, untreated injuries or illnesses, uh, just, it's just wrong. And we mention all the, all, all the time on all of our veteran type shows that the service officers, the service organizations all have service officers that have been trained and are literally, I feel like are experts in helping a veteran get their benefits. And this goes for families too. If you're, if you have a family member that is a veteran and you're not sure what is available, go to a, a local VFW, American Legion, whatever, 
and ask for their service officer, and they'll be glad to work with you and see that that veteran gets the benefits they deserve. And, and you know, David, <clears throat> these folks may be, uh, may be fine, and they, and they don't want to be a bother or a burden on the system. And, you know, and that's all well and good, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're expecting, say, to be, uh, your remains to be interred at a, 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 a national cemetery, uh, you know, as is the, one of the benefits you've earned, then, uh, you know, talk to a service officer just about uh, getting the paperwork done in advance so your family won't have to guess or uh, try to find somebody that can make that happen. Absolutely. And uh, we went through that in my family. And uh, it was interesting that before we got to a service officer, the uh, funeral director had also asked the questions and helped set up a uh, service officer. And, um, you know, it. the Veterans Administration gets, and mainly because of the hospital situation, but a lot of times they get some bad press that they don't deserve, and they are there for the veteran. They are there for you. And the, the shame of it all is, too, only 1% of our country ever serves, and that's to me is deplorable it's it's terrible and uh yet like we advertise all the time that if you're graduating from high school or you've got your degree from college and you haven't made up your mind exactly what you want to do well any interest that you have i guarantee and promise you that there is one of the services that can fulfill any dream you might have and today, the military is is competitive, price wise, money wise, and and they offer so many benefits, be it veteran benefits or just being in a group of people that you share common interest. And it's the military. If I had it to do all over again. I wish I wasn't so old. I'd I'd be back in uniform in a heartbeat, and I every day I realize the benefits or the of what I went through, and it was great. And it's it's a great great life, and I I'm enjoying a little bit of it with my son who's in the Air Force, and uh, he and his wife have been around the world many times at this point because of the of his service and uh it's it's just a great life and it's a it's a great occupation or business to get into if you haven't decided on something else out of college so we certainly encourage you to do that and um phil we've got about three minutes to go what else do we need to cover Well, uh, I, uh, just a word of advice to anybody who uh, may be listening and currently serving on active duty. Uh, I implore you, uh, before you get out, um, get a full copy of all your medical records. And uh, don't ever lose track of your DD-214, which is your separation document, uh, because that's the key to almost all of your benefits. 
And it's even a good idea when you have that DD-214 to take it to your local probate court or your local uh, county clerk and and uh, get it filed, you know. Get them to make a certified copy of it and uh, put it in uh, your county records. And that way your family can get a copy of it as well. Um, but they're just... You know, David, yes, uh, when I separated from the Army at Fort Hood uh, first time, um, uh, they, they advised me to make a certified copy of it at the county courthouse, and I did. Uh, but I really didn't understand why. And uh, the lady said, well, if you ever lose it, you can get a copy of it, a certified copy of it here from the clerk of the county court. Um, I had lived in uh, Bell County, Texas for many, many years, but I guess if I ever needed to get my DD-214, I, I could always go to the clerk of the court of uh, Bell County and get a copy. Yes, sir. Certainly can. And, uh, you know, there's these are things that... Uh, just need to be done. That's that's all you can say. They just need to be done. And, um, you know, if, like I mentioned earlier, if you have suggestions for us or you want to make a comment or the other good thing is please tell your friends that served with you in Desert Shield or Desert Storm and uh, about what we're doing on America's Web Radio. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you're a vet and you want to... Uh, participate in one of our shows send me an email and we'll get back in contact with you and see what we can do about getting you on the air and uh it uh we love our vets and this weekend is memorial day and everybody should take the time to uh think about the folks that have given the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me and uh it's uh, just something that we all have to uh, get out on our knees and uh, thank God for what a wonderful country we live in and for the folks that have gone before us that have continued to keep us free. And don't think that freedom doesn't come with a price because nothing's free. And we encourage all of the young folks, think about joining the military. You'll love it. Guaranteed, you'll love it. With that being said, we're going to have to break out of here, Phil. We've run out of time again. And well, David, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. And I look forward to being with you again next week on America's Web Radio. And speaking of Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and think about it this weekend. Think about those that have gone before you. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.